Polyhedron is a production of Headcanon Games, LLC. Please bookmark Headcanon Games for the latest in Polyhedron news. Polyhedron is sponsored by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to become a patron of Polyhedron, please go to patreon.com polyhedron. Now, on with your show. Welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG-related. I am your host, Matthew, and as always, I have my two co-hosts here, Ryan Hi. and Scott. Baba Booey? Yeah, the vocal warm-ups are done. Yeah, I know. but you uh, know. Everything's a vocal warm-up. Indeed. Is it? Is it? Stacy Dennings? Stacy Dennings. Wow. Anyways, anyway, you can welcome go- back you, everyone. You can Google that. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back everyone to Polyhedron. Uh, it's been a little bit of time, but we are here to talk about something cool. But before we get to the cool thing, we're gonna get to the other cool thing, which is the news. Indeed. Um, the one little bit I would like to share is right now going on Kickstarter. There is a thing you should look up called Tales from the Loop: Role Playing in the Eighties That Never Was. This is a Swedish company that is basically. Making Stranger Things the RPG, you play coming of age, prepubescent kids. Dibs who, on eleven. What? Dibs on eleven. <laughs> Dibs on. A, there's actually that's actually in this in the mechanics. There are different classes like archetypes. Well, is, okay. And the weirdo the, is one. Okay. Is it weirdo fat one black one? Is that, <laughs> is, are those in there? Is nerd? No. Pretty are, much. Are you sure? Because yeah. that's. That's 80s team. Like, <laughs> come on. Oh, watch yeah. Monster Squad. <laughs> uh, Monster Squad. Oh, by the way, go watch Monster Squad. It's very good. That's, that's um, but yes, it's it's it, they only needed 10,000 and they got over 100,000. Um, they're a Swedish company. Uh, they have a Swedish setting because it's set near Stockholm. But they're going to, because they raised enough money, they're going to have to where they're going to write up a USA setting for anyone in the U.S. who wants to play in familiar territory. Yeah, I checked the Kickstarter out a couple of days ago. It it looks interesting. Um, like like Matthew said, Stranger Things, Stephen King, yeah, eighties uh, movies and eighties eighties uh, books and whatnot. Kind of really recaptures that feel. Um, and it looks interesting. So give it a shot. Check it out. Yep, it's on for seventeen more days. So there's plenty of time for you guys to look it up and consider if you want to donate to that. Um, is there any other news, fellas? Uh, I got nothing. Yeah, I mean, my I finally upgraded my computer uh, after a Black Friday spending spree, uh, so now I can actually play things like Deus Ex and maybe Dishonored eventually. Yay, consumerism. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's just so good. It's so cyberpunky good. Like, I'm in the middle of like, this data vault place that I'm just ransacking like a monster. Because you're being probably stealth hacker. Oh yeah, of course, stealth. I mean, come on, that's, that's, I don't know. that's I what's going on. I choke slamming everyone mechanism I mean, from uh, Human Revolution. I mean, there are, there is plenty of choke slamming going on, because sometimes, you know, there's just a guy in the way. Is his name John Cena? Da, no. Da, da, da. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> no, sir. Oh, ooh. Well, I love, I love a well-timed and well-placed John Cena. Uh, it's just, it's one of my delights. That was neither. <laughs> very well then i think we're gonna go on to our main topic of the day which is what fellas well Let's strap on your thousand faces kids because <laughs> it's the Jungian archetypes and the hero's journey oh yes um a favorite of dan Harmon. uh it, uh, the hero's journey is a theory posited uh by a man named joseph campbell uh who 
got a lot of ideas from a philosopher by the name of Carl Jung uh, about some really at the heart of it. There's some really wacky, like some wackiness involved. A like, little, it gets a little metaphysic. Like Jung and Campbell like had some beliefs about like something called the collective unconscious, which is like basically like a psychic mind cloud. Yeah. Um, that you know they they felt ha- was the only way to explain these phenomena that they were seeing, uh, which is this notion that every culture has a what they call a monomyth which is the same basic story structure for all of all of their myths about heroes and 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 great great stories and all that stuff. Although mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that if you were to like try to like plot this, it would have probably just been white people had <laughs> these monomyths. Yeah. Uh, I'm pr- I don't necessarily know if the Native American story structure and like the Asian, you know, soup continent the yeah. superstructure is the same, but I know that, like, you know, our general fantasy stories mm-hmm. and all that, they, they do, like, sometimes follow these lines. And... Yeah, I mean, uh, the basic structure of the, the hero's journey, and there's, you can get, you can get real granular into this, but there's, like, a, a very quick and dirty version of it, is, you know, you have your hero, and he has, in a, he comes from humble beginnings, uh, and, uh, is, from obscurity, from, from obscurity, um, uh, and some uh, some fig figure or force or or what have you comes and calls him to the him to adventure. It's usually a guy, um, just because patriarchy. Um, Men and women have very distinct roles in this particular. Yeah, indeed. Setup. Uh, but anyway, uh, he is called to adventure. Uh, there's traditionally a refusal of the call, uh, and then something happens to change the hero's mind. Goes on this adventure, uh, confronts some some minor darkness that initiates him into the world of the mysteries and the world of powers. He goes forth, go, uh, undergoes a few trials. Um, usually three. Usually three, yeah. Uh, and then uh, faces and defeats some great terrible enemy, uh, having learned some great secret uh, or mastered some great power, uh, and then returns back to... Uh, it, back to his place of, of origin, uh, bringing with him secrets and power uh, to, uh, to enrich his community. By the end of the hero's journey, the hero is changed. That's like the mm-hmm. fundamental resolution point, is the hero is not who they were when they originally left. Mm-hmm. Um, so the hero's journey can actually take like multiple cycles as you go through a very long story, but in general, he always comes back different than the way he came. So, if that's the case, what's a good example that we you would have if you wanted to tell somebody about about this? Star, Star Wars. Wars. Thank you. You went exactly where I wanted you to go. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's Star Wars follows the hero's journey pretty much goddamn Meeting exactly. Meeting the goddess is like mm-hmm. the moment where, like, there is a thing he forgot to mention, which is part, there is, there's, I think it's call, initiation, return is mm-hmm. basically the, the three major parts of the loop, and there's an the road of trials is the you know where you start going on trials, but meeting the goddess is when you meet someone of ephemeral beauty who's you know mm-hmm. destined to be your your lady boo. Yeah, and you can <laughs> the thing you love the most, and you could literally track that to the moment where Luke takes his damn helmet off and looks at Leia. Yeah. Now, of course, 
they screwed with us later yeah, on, they did. And, and that was not how it went. But as far as the first movie goes, that was the moment. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, But you know, if you think it about all it, tracks. You know, uh, you know, Obi Wan says to Luke, you know, you will, you will come with me to Alderaan and learn the four ways of the Force. And Luke's like, Nah, I don't wanna. But then he finds his uh, his aunt and uncle, you know, has been destroyed by the Empire, yep. and that that inspires him to to go on his quest. I'm pretty sure I've used the phrase "refusing the call" more than once on this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. which is, uh, probably like in reference to shitty players or another <laughs> bad gaming behavior. Uh, and that that brings it back to sort of more the meat of our discussion, which is how does this apply to role playing? Right. Right. Because so we're not, it's a role-playing, it's not a, um, uh, it's not literature, it's not mm-hmm. a book. We're not writing a book here. We have real-life people making real-life, quote-unquote, decisions. I mean, I know this, I'm being, like, I'm being a little facetious when I say this, but I usually, rule one, this ain't art. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not, don't get too artsy with it because, you know, you're, you're gonna lose someone along the way or you're gonna over, over-explain something, so, you know, you can't, like drag your players along the perfect hero's journey because oh, no, no, no. and I don't think there get could bored, possibly right? be a perfect hero's journey. Oh. Well, other than Star Wars, of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, even like, even even George Lucas like directly in multiple interviews said, oh, yeah. "Yes, I read the Monomyth by by Campbell and I used it as my as I mean, a bench post and guideline for what I was writing." Atonement with the Father is in fact one of the names of the phases <laughs> of the Monomyth. Yep. Uh, um yeah. Well, I think I think probably your your best bet if you are looking at the monomyth and the hero's journey and Jungian stuff and all the all this grab bag of weirdness that we're talking about here is uh you know, kind of as a as a storyteller, as a GM, you you take a look at it and use it as a reference guide. Use it as picking and choosing these sort of iconic moments that you can build encounters and scenes around. Uh not so much as a guidepost, but more of a, I can use this classic thing in my story as a sort of a, a cultural touch, touchstone to, you know, add a little bit of dramatic weight and, and verisimilitude. Because th- the notion of this is, even if you don't know the hero's journey, like, inside and out, you know it intuitively. You know it intuitively. Yes. because the... You've seen a million movies. Like, mm-hmm. anyone who's seen, like, ten movies knows the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. If you've seen Star Wars, you know it. You intuitively, if you've read a book, you kind of know it. Mm-hmm. it, it like, classic books and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Most people know the story beats. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like, if you're watching a movie, if you go to literally the 50% mark, mm-hmm. you know, you can tell that there's a big turn. At 75%, all hope is lost, and then, yeah. you know, we're yeah. there. It's the exact same archetype, the same template. Now, what is useful about that is that you can, you know, have a smart ass sitting at the table who's read the monomyth too, and then you can subvert his expectations by completely taking a hot dump on one of those guidepasts. <laughs> yeah, maybe yep, like, yep. oh, you met the goddess, but it wasn't the goddess you thought you were meeting, or no. it doesn't turn out the way you think it was supposed to turn out. She's actually the bitch whore queen of Varganoth. Huh. Man, that's my lady Come love. to eat your liver. Wow, I've got some weird taste in women. You got played, dog. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> it happens. But yeah, no, I mean, I guess you can, you know, you can definitely subvert it, uh, and you can also use it if you're trying to evoke that sort of feel of cla- classic literature and classic mythology. Yeah, sort of like the classical epicness mm-hmm. of of literature. Like if you want your players to feel like that, you can sort of kind of hack their expectations and hack their intuitive understanding of this. Thing mm-hmm. uh, to 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 push those buttons and 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 dial it in, and and obviously this is all going to be very 
specific to each character. Because if you're a GM and you're really looking, because part of the responsibility of a GM is not just running the game and having their own overarching story, is trying to integrate the player's and their character's story into your overarching story. And so when we're talking about character arcs, we're really talking about that. How do you as a GM bring those stories to life and give them weight in the overarching story? Mm -hmm. Because players love feeling like special snowflakes. They love feeling like, oh, this is my time to talk about or do the thing that I'm really, my character's really good to or into. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a matter of spotlighting. Yes, that's that's absolutely the case. And and that's the thing. Uh, Role-playing games, it's a little bit of a different story because there is no main character. Mm-hmm. There are like five to seven main characters who all need their who all need their appropriate time and even the most passive player is still at that table to get something out of this mm-hmm. that isn't and I'm going to I'm going to like talk about this in terms of like I have a player of a table of players who aren't a bunch of yokels who are just there to min-max and power game. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about just like your average player who's there to just tell a story, grow as a character. And occasionally kick some serious ass. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, I've been doing a lot of thinking on this subject, not just before this episode, but because I'm thinking about starting up a, a once a month uh, via Skype uh, Black Crusade game. And that's a very, and I won't go into it, Black Crusade is a very, it's its own beast. It's a very unique story and setting. But I had to start thinking a lot about character arcs and I mean, the kind of character arcs I'm going to give my players. You're playing space monsters there. Like, you're playing some very serious space monsters. I mean, you're playing like, space sociopath the fucking yeah i'm i'm gonna we're gonna see this is an experiment this is why it's once a month and this is why i'm, I'm just gonna see where it rolls oh is that your use the template noun the, noun the adjective for, yeah uh, for mm-hmm. uh, for white wolf okay <laughs> the psychopath space monster the fucking <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, right. but some back to what i was going with about the subject of this uh week's episode is i had to start thinking about getting their characters and then going okay i've got my main story that I kind of want to tell the sort of story I want to bring down to the players, but I need for them to give me story to sort of chew with to go, where can I put cool character moments and where can I make them and force them to grow? Because an antagonist is supposed to make a character grow. And I guess if we're going to talk about the hero's journey, the antagonist is almost just as important as the protagonist is. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, that's, that's more, more actually. Yeah. That's another thing. Uh, the hero's journey, uh, because, like I said, there's a lot to it. It's a great place to mine for NPC ideas. Um, you know, you, you've got, you know, the, the mentor, the antagonist, the goddess, all these, the like... The assistant. The assistant, yeah. Yeah, all the guide. The, the guide, yeah. All of these archetypes. Oh, man, did I think of the of, of, an, of a... Just a stock example of the monomyth. Uh, the Aragorn books. Uh, like the Dragon Rider kid. Oh, absolutely. Like, that shit is so Hero's Journey. Also, so Star Wars. Yeah, he took uh, it from Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Um, I read the first three of those. I couldn't bring myself to read the first four. And if you're a fan of these books, I'm not shitting on them. Like I said, I read three of them. Um, they got to have some value, right? They, yeah, I mean... But I can never... I, I just haven't picked up the fourth one yet. But it's very Hero's Journey. Um, And, yeah... There was something that kept me reading, reading those books. I can't think. I can't. I can't think of it <laughs> was right it now. The booty. I mean. I mean, there was some elf booty. You know, I I, I will admit. Fucking elves. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But back to the antagonist. Obviously, we make make the example of Star Wars, and 
would we really call in this example? Would we call Carl, call Darth Vader the antagonist of Luke Skywalker? Does is he is what forces Luke to change, I or think, is it more of the Emperor and the Empire? I think the I don't know. I think Darth Vader is is the more classical antagonist because the Emperor is the Emperor doesn't force Luke to change at all. The Emperor is tempts him and and opposes him, mm-hmm. but the personal interaction and the Darth Vader is certainly what drives Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, like up until like up until the end of empire, you know, Darth Vader was his, you know, hate boner. Uh, and then after that point, it gained a level of complexity and a level of, of, of nuance uh, where Darth Vader still became, was the focus of Luke, Luke's journey and, and ambition, but it was, no, I will save him. Mm-hmm. I will find the good in him. I will not let this darkness consume him utterly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think Darth Vader very much was the classical antagonist. Um, like I believe there's a there's a place in the hero's journey for like the the um, the big overarching big bad guy and like the lesser bad guy. I I, I haven't seen that per per se. But you're probably right. Yeah, because it it show, like it certainly shows up in in, in like the Aragon books, and, and Star Wars is a pretty pretty strong example of it. But I mean, I don't necessarily know what atonement with the father all entails, but you know, yeah, there's a whole bunch of that in there. Yeah, that's a big thing. Uh, but yeah, no, there's there's um, fathers and sons, sons mm-hmm. and all that whatnot. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's. Classic. It's a classic. Uh, I wouldn't say patriarchy, but a patriarchal mm-hmm. uh, tendency because fathers and sons sons typically had to go out on journeys. They had to leave the safety of home in order to grow more as a person and see what was beyond the next hill, or the next mountain, or the mm-hmm. next ocean. That's a very important. Um, and also, one last thing about antagonists that I want to mention. Uh, I saw Moana over the weekend, and actually what's very interesting, your antagonist does not need to be the villain. It doesn't need to be the quote-unquote bad guy. Oh, yeah. Because in the story of Moana, I'm not really spoiling anything, but it's slight spoiler, is that Moana is what creates, forces Maui to change. Mm-hmm. Moana is Maui's antagonist. She's forcing him to confront who he is, what he did, and how he can possibly fix it. Yeah, While but, she's also going on her own journey as well. Yeah, I mean, I think they're kind of protagonist-antagonist duo. Um, because they both force each other. And yeah, it it's a wonderful movie. It's, you know, it, it's a modern-day Disney movie. So, you know, that those tend to be pretty high quality. It's pretty good. Yeah, but I'm just... What I thought it was very interesting was something I walked out of the theater going, mm-hmm. you know what, Moana is not... is had, it fits a very interesting role in this story, especially mm-hmm. in context of Maui. But, anyways, back to the hero's journey. Obviously, as you want to test your players and players, a lot of ways you can test your players is through combat, obviously. Um, uh, I think, uh, at least in early game, probably one of the, the, the easiest thing you can pull upon is something called the Threshold Guardians, mm-hmm. uh, which the Threshold Guardians are the... They are like they are the first hint, like the first challenge that the hero really has to come up against and really has to overcome, um, because it, it is not you know it's not you know bandits or or you know animals or whatnot. This is something that has mystical power behind it. It yes. is and it, it it initiates the character trial by combat, trial by blood 
into the 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 weirder, more mysterious, mystical world. Um, takes him directly. They are they are the thing that stands. They are the guardians on the threshold. They stand between the the world of the mundane and the world of the mystical. Okay, uh, Star Wars example. What would be a good threshold guardian for Star Wars? Oh, uh, uh, Jesus. Oh uh, man, I think it actually is kind of hot and chewy. Hmm. Interesting. Explain. Uh. Well. Um. They are, you know, they they are not dirt farmers. Uh, they are they are not, you know, confined to this one desert planet. Um, Luke goes into hyperspace for the first time. Yeah, Luke goes into hyperspace for the first time with his guide in tow. With, with his guide in tow, and you know, they didn't really necessarily have to fight Han and Chewie, but they had to like negotiate with them. They had to 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 haggle and and overcome uh, that sort of barrier. So I think in that instance. They that would be they. I mean, the only other things that they fought are like you know, a bunch of stormtroopers, mm-hmm. which I don't think those really have that sort of narrative weight. But I would say, in my opinion, Han and Chewie, uh, because they, the things that are not of the world. Yeah, they are the unknown. They come from the unknown world, the hyperspace world, the world beyond what he's ever known, and they introduce him while also confronting him. Because if you notice at the very beginning of the relationship. It's not friends forever like oh, the no. Arkham Third movie. It's no. uh, yeah, I'm gonna do this job for you, kid, and once you're there, get off my ship. I'm out of here. Yeah, exactly. And he gets embroiled. Actually, no, you know, also there's another good uh, threshold guardian. The ship they have to escape from when they're captured the first time when they go save Leia. The Death Star? No, was that was the, she was on the Death Star at the beginning? Was she? Yeah. My face right now. I'm so disappointed in Matthew. All right, I'm trying uh, to remember. No, okay. So, because we have to explain the plot, the plot of Star Wars to Matthew, <laughs> uh, I push. I'm pushing up my imaginary glasses. Which I feel very bad. I'm a movie. You buff. should feel really movies. bad about this. It's been a while since I've Hold saw on. the like you're, the you're, first let, let one. Let me let me push up my imaginary glasses. Actually, what happens is that Leia's uh, on a on a rebellion uh, blockade runner. Which gets captured by a star destroyer. Yes, star destroyer. Which then gets taken to the Death Star. Okay. Where Han, Le- Han, Chewie, uh, Chewbacca, uh, I'm sorry, Han, Chewie, Luke, and Obi Wan, uh, and the two droids go to the Death Star because they the go Death- to the Alderaan because they were looking for Alderaan. Yeah, yeah. And it was in the proximity, and they, they were like, "I shouldn't have to do this, Matthew. I no. shouldn't have to." Okay. Do this. Now I'm reminded. Thank you for reminding. Mm-hmm. But actually, in some respects, the Death Star at the very beginning because they don't blow it up then. Is that's the I mean, threshold guardian? The tractor beam itself, actually, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe our if threshold guardian. If you wanted guardian. like a very literal threshold guardian, yeah, because true. that's the first. I mean, going into space, seeing ships and stuff like that, and dealing with these weird smugglers is one thing, but seeing a ship the size of a you know a moon, that's I guess the moon. that's I guess that's kind of a that's mm-hmm. kind of the moment where you're like, oh shit, mm-hmm. this this is like nothing you've ever experienced. I didn't know technology like this even mm-hmm. was possible. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of just something I was thinking about. It's like, oh, that is that is a traditional challenge mm-hmm. that they have to overcome, and it's the first real in, like dive that Luke has into this bigger and scarier universe that he has to deal with I mean, because he's like, I have to like escape from this horrible blo- this horrible moon base. And on top of all of that, like when he's on when he's on that moon base, he meets Leia, he gets in his first gunfight, he has to use the force to do things, mm-hmm. like he you know, all sorts of crazy shit happens on yeah, the and, then at the very... and his mentor dies. Yeah, so his mentor gets got, which yeah, is, yeah. you know, a, a 
pretty important part. And, and, yeah. And now that I think about it, it, that's kind of a really like a that's a that's a dark point in the movie mm-hmm. when his mentor dies. But it's also a great revelation to Luke because Luke sees him dissolve. Mm-hmm. He gets killed, but he just dissolves in his to his cloak, and so that sort of shows Luke. In Israel. Yeah, yeah. Like, there is a very real moment there that the Force is much, much bigger than just, like, deflecting blaster bolts. It's something much larger than himself. Okay, well, this is all well and good, but how do you, like, in a Dungeons & Dragons game, where it's just like, <laughs> yeah, motherfucker, magic's real. I know a guy who does it every day. <laughs> like, he prays to a god, he gives me powers, it's great. Like, I'm already a magic man. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you, like... How do you induct these these already adventures into a world of wonderment when they themselves can enact wonderment? Well, I sit down and think about the character. Also, I don't think it's less it's less about like wonderment in the sense of like magic, but it's more wonderment in the sense of revelation. Something new they did not know before that exists. I think the standard moment in an RPG for this particular threshold crossing is the first time you run up against your some sort of agent of the big bad or the big yeah. bad himself kicking the shit out of someone or yeah some or the city you're in getting you know burned mm. to the ground by some some terrible force well yeah i mean there's a difference like you know you, you could say be like your first couple couple sessions oh we're, we're running the local we're running in, into the local dungeon and, and there's always been that zombie problem in that dungeon but then like like ryan said then an agent of the of the lich lord uh, like shows up and demands the tithe of, of virgins, uh, you or know, whatever they're or, using or, for currency. This what, day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, uh, we need about uh, fifteen virgins, uh, male or female. We're not going to discriminate here. We, Good fucking we, luck. <laughs> <laughs> Chopped. Oh, well, I, well, I am immortal, so I'm going to come back in about fifteen years. Get working on that, by the way. Mm-hmm. New crop of virgins. Got to got to rotate stuff. them out. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. We, we, we've got we've got a lot of complaints. But non-discriminatory, male, female, anywhere on the spectrum you want to be, we're fine. Just you know, <laughs> I've seen a skeletal knight with a clipboard, <laughs> a, clip, uh, a clipboard. It's all like now Steve from compliance is gonna ride my ass on this. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no. So that that moment of you know, I mean, D and D D and D terms, you know, throw them up, up against something that's five levels higher than them. D and D and D and D. It's a little bit. I would say it's actually almost easier to to ride this particular train yeah. in terms of the. The, the, the story beats of the hero's journey. I mean, it's, you know, D&D, you are, in fact, heroes. So yeah. it's kind of a thing. World of Darkness gets a little bit trickier. You could when probably you're... do it with Mage. Mage, you could. You, you could. I mean... If they're ostensibly up... the most... Not the most heroic, but they're the most mythic. human. Yeah, they're most mythic. That's a good, better way to put it. Well, they run... I mean, you're running through your awakening is like... Is yeah. kind of a thing you should probably do anyway. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's just a good time. But... Yeah, it's. I mean, this is talking from the second, you know, made the awakening perspective. I know jack and shit about the ascension. Uh, the, the ascension process is similar enough. Yeah, some, surprisingly some enough, da- some shit goes down and you exalt. Got yeah, it. pretty much. Yeah, I mean, the actually the the awakening, the awakening process is actually more codified because uh, you go to the tower, you write your name on, on a it. thing, and yeah, and it's all that. more it's more um, common. You have a commonality, commonality, commonality commonality between other mages through that process whereas, whereas in, in ascension it's it's real loosey-goosey it's, it's super spiritual inner inner wonkiness of like it's it's about you and your story mage mm-hmm. like who you are mage the awakening second actually kind of went back to that honestly because the way they describe it it's like 
it's not just ins it's not necessarily inscribing your name on the tower. It's not. It's just leaving your your mark on the like the 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 plane on which your path is tied to. Right. But I think that's a yeah. I'm getting a little off topic, but yeah, that's you know. Yeah. In World of Darkness, running through how you became the the thing that you are. If you're going to try to run stock standard story beat heroes journey things, that's probably in there somewhere. Yeah. Although you're not always necessarily, you know. I'd say heroes. that's real hard to do with vampire. Yeah. Like, it's real hard to do heroes journey with vampire. Yeah. Because that's that's there's there's no like really light hard. and hope and returning to your your now. You can do it, but you're going to have to look through almost like a negative. Mm -hmm. Like you almost have to invert everything that you understand about that kind of journey because you're going to tell a very dark story, mm -hmm. a very personal, like cathartic, pathos drip story because vampire is about personal torment. Oh yeah. Um, well, there's other versions. Like we're 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 talking about the most stock standard version of this story. There's a completely separate version uh, that people have been referred to as the superheroes journey, which mm -hmm. is so. This is uh, just a sort of. This is the most stock standard version of it, but like over the last forty years, people have been like, "But my version is better and different." So, like, we have the American hero's journey, which is actually just the superhero story mm -hmm. of some some threat is realized. The people, the powers that be, cannot handle this threat. the The loner with with superpowers emerges, wamps the threat. World returns to you know, peace and paradise. Baseline hero goes back into obscurity somewhere mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of been codified as the quote-unquote american hero's journey it's kind of our favorite one yeah yeah no, I, I can, can see, see that, that. <laughs> uh, so. but yeah yeah i can see interesting that's an interesting look on that i, I hadn't heard that it's definitely it. simpler but i think there's probably still like more expansive elements in there because you have to look at each superhero's actual story to, to see where they sort of run on that arc. Also, super, comics is, can be a bad because when you get a writing team that writes a character a specific way with a specific story and then it gets passed off to another writer writing team, it starts changing dramatically and you go through an entirely different process of like developing the hero's journey and what they interpret that to be for that character. Um, but you were talking about, Ryan, you talked about your mage character. Actually, this may be a good like working example that we can go with if you're willing to go into oh, it. Oh, sure. I mean, I don't. Lathe hasn't gone very far into anything yet. We're playing session two tomorrow. But, yeah, but I, you know, sure. what do you what do you think your what would your character's hero's journey would be good for this character? What would you like to see? Well, he's his his entire path is based around death and matter, so. He's uh he's Moros and but honestly like death has very little interest to him, so because uh, his story is that he's a he's a he got fucked over at seventeen for Grand Theft Auto which he completely did but they tried him as an adult, uh so he came out of prison at twenty seven in the fuck barrel and he's still like clawing his way out and basically just gets the shit kicked out of him by white supremacists and like don't, don't and just tries to run his auto shop but I think like his story is probably like. I don't know, like realizing that he it does have a place in the world, like even though society has basically called him a piece of, you know, human garbage and like will basically never let him succeed as a person who's had all their had their freedom and their rights taken away over and over again. But finding that he has a place in the world and then I don't know, depending on how 
what he's presented with going absolutely goddamn insane with power because he'll be able to control matter. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good one. Yep. Um, yeah, mage mage kind of lends itself to you not being a super great guy after you hit <laughs> level five in an arcanum. Yeah, and, and, and I mean that's the temptation of power, right? That's 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 the classic. Right. It just deal with if if you really want to test someone, you don't give you don't take away everything from them. You give them everything. And you right. really see what kind of a person they are, but that's interesting. I wanted to get and get your perspective on a sort of what you want to see as a hero's journey or a journey for your character, because here's something that uh, that constantly gets missed is the expectation between what the player wants and what the st thinks would be a good. I mean, Scott, you and I have played oh, yeah. in games where I've been the GM or you've been the GM, and we both sort of. Butt heads a little bit on like where we what we think the character's about. No why? Yeah, none. No why? And sort yeah. of like the confrontations that come from, and obviously we've talked about like good ways of dealing with expectation management, but I think it needs to be doubly said here because when you're talking about the journey, the player is going to be like, "Oh, my character is X, and I think hitting these Y beats will be really important to growing him as a character." But the GM is obviously like, well, your character may be X, but if I hit these other sort of Ys, you go in this mm-hmm. other direction if you follow sort of a, rash, a proper rationale of the character. Uh, and this kind of reminds me of a, a piece of advice that I remember giving Matthew a, a very long, a, a decent amount of time ago that, that I, I'm, uh, I'm happy to say that I, I believe he's taken to heart. Um, I once had to, uh, had to tell him, Matthew... Play the character, not the character concept. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, because we, we were having one of these discussions about one of his characters. It was in my aberrant play-by-email. Um, and Matthew was having some frustration because the way the story was going wasn't mapping to his character concept. Not his character, but like where what he had set the character out to sort of be as... Uh, what he had what he had set the character out to be from the start um, and while I don't necessarily like take someone's character concept and throw it out the window um, I I don't I will not follow that as an absolute blueprint mm-hmm. uh, I will challenge the character and put them in situations and and let let consequences dictate what happens and where things go um, so you know a combination of Telling an off-kilter story and consequences of actions following from from whatnot put Matthew in his place where his character concept and where the character was and the choices that are being put put in front of him wasn't really meshing. Yeah, the, there was just the I was going in one direction and the story was was trying to push me in another. That's not against Scott. It was just my perspective on where I thought the character needed to go and why I wasn't being realistic to the scenario that he was in. Mm-hmm. I was trying to do things outside of the scope because Matthew knew I was playing a game yeah. and not character, not a person running around. Well, it's all lines of, yeah, like he, it wasn't fitting the scenario that he was in, which wasn't to say that he could not have, have found a way out of that scenario and into a scenario that he that 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 he would be better suited for but that's the that's the type of thing where you, you're gonna have to like really do some engineering yeah exactly. figure out how to go about doing that I, I mean i think everyone's been in that situation before where it's just like i want this thing I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to achieve this thing and there's really no feasible way for me to run across this thing mm-hmm. but i still want this thing exactly yeah. 
classic like oh i look through the book i like this magic item or i like this thing that has happened one in legend of the wulin a number of times (laughs) there is a style there's a style of metal centered martial arts that would be just just the tits for my (laughs) care for my guy and i know who has it and i know how to learn it and i know where i gotta go the story just hasn't taken us there yet and i just had to like sort of take a deep breath and like okay you're gonna have to wait until you meet up with this guy again in the future, whenever the fuck that's going to happen, and, and convince him to teach you. But that's gonna be a while. That's a good. That's a good point that I just thought of. Um, oh, good. You know, let me enlighten you. <laughs> Stay a while and listen. No, uh, the second ad- Deckard. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead. Good. Yep. He died hope, in the third one. I hope his daughter dies too. Does Aww, she die? No. Damn. She comes the devil, actually spoilers i don't care I, I that's a very old game i don't give a single hot shit about diablo uh, but, i just need to play diablo 3 it is it's pretty good but anyways that was completely off off the mark now i've completely forgotten what i was gonna say Stay ah! <laughs> you're rambling old piece of shit <laughs> uh, uh anyways uh let's go off to uh now that my mind has come back to me i think i remember what i wanted to say i guess which... i'll stay a while and listen I hate you, Ryan. No, you don't. I sent a Audience. search of answers. Audience, this is very difficult. I'm really trying to hold on to oh, this Oh, God, but the look on his face is so good. He's trying. When a player shows interest in a particular thing in a book, you can use those little pieces of carrots to drag, to sort of pull them along the story that you think would be a good story for that character. Because not only are you rewarding the, the character with those appropriate sort of character moments to sort of sort of fluff them up. But you're also rewarding the player because the player's like, this was the cool thing I wanted for my character. Now my character can be even more the way I imagine them they should be. Um, which is a good tactic. You should always, and this is just more about incentivizing things, but I think that's a good way to do it. If you have a particular story and maybe the character doesn't have a particular journey or a, the player doesn't have a particular journey that the character they want for their character, so they need some encouragement. Yeah. Uh, bringing it back more to the to the hero's journey, I thought that I had, uh, was a, a pretty big part of most hero's journey uh, is the prophecy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the idea of a chosen one uh, or uh, a foretold uh, a foretold destined encounter or battle to defeat the great evil one. And that, I mean, that's pretty stock and trade. Like you can, you can I, use I that. I actually kind of hate it. Like really? I, I kind of hate the prophecy. I, I don't I don't like prophecies. I don't like foretold ones. I don't like chosen ones. I feel like honestly, like the whole chosen one part of the monomyth has like actually it's been cheap. Well, it's not only cheap. It's actually been detrimental to our culture as a whole because everyone thinks they're the hero of their own story and treats everyone else like dog shit. And when I say everyone, this is not everyone, everyone. What I'm saying is like... Just those people. Those people. <laughs> what I'm saying is if you're looking for like the sole source of like like why people you know, sometimes think their shit doesn't stink and that they're the most important person in the entire world, you can look to this monomyth, I assure you. <laughs> Uh, there's, I think there's a little bit of merit in there. I think obviously it's more complex than just that, but oh well, yes. Yeah, throw in the underdog part of the monomyth, yes, also, yeah, that yeah. you're that you're a shit sucking idiot, and then you become awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, you want you want to sell something, make sure someone's the underdog first, even though they're completely yeah, we, not. We we Americans love underdog stories, and and to their credit, they are good stories, See but they can be podcast 
yeah. episode about that. It's uh, it's infuriating. Like it's it makes my eyes roll back in my head and my I just froth. Yeah, but based on like what you want to do with your characters and their and the how to use the monomyth, you've got to think of like some sort of the later sort of things that are going to happen because obviously they got to confront the main bad guy, the main villain, the main thrust of the confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they also have to do one last thing. They have to come back. They have to go back. And that is actually something I have never really seen a lot in a lot of role-playing games because like D and D you're always the eternal 20 year old. Mm-hmm. What about trying to bring the character back to where they were, but showcase how different the world is because they're so different. Well, that's, I mean, you can do that less in a sort of cyclical endpoint uh, with characters' backstories and backgrounds. Um, like, you know, in, in, in a White Wolf example, you know, your character's allies or your kinfolk or, or you know, the, the sort of the, the, the people who have always been there for you. Uh, highlighting those guys every now and then and using them as a touch point of like, you know, characters been through some shit. And, you know, old Jesse, the bartender who, you know, always, always uh, can get can get you in contact with the guy you need to get into can like make that comment of, man, that look in your eyes, you, ha- you did that. Did- Where'd that come from? You can mm-hmm. have that sort of comment to sort of highlight that your your journeys and your adventures and your trials and your tribulations have taken you away from where you were and from away from the people who've always been a part of your life. I feel like that that can also be accomplished via having NPCs instead of just be like, oh, you go home and old Jesse the bartender's there. Every once in a while, you just happen to cross paths with someone you met Mm -hmm. a month and a half ago and shit's gone down since then and things are completely different. And being able to like catch up with an NPC and what they've been up to Mm -hmm. and them like making note of, uh, this is all based on my Legend of the Wuland experience because this has been like the most like probably one of the longer games I've played in a very long time. But like, uh, we ran it. I run into a guy and it's like, well, you know what we have to do now? We got to fight each other because I'm very curious as to see how strong you've become. And that's where you get to sort of like, oh shit, what kind of kung fu has this maniac learned? Oh god, <laughs> why does he do that? And it, it and that's a sort of a way to like, oh well. They get to see you've grown. You get to see that they have a life outside of you. Mm. Like, they exist when you're not around, even though they don't exist when you're not around. But it's that kind of thing. Giving a little, breathing a little life into, you know, where you came from. Yeah, surprisingly enough, I actually have a little bit of real world, like, example of this for me. Um, so, it was, like, a couple weeks ago, I was at a party, and Katie was there. That's a mutual friend between me mm-hmm. and Scott. And I've known her since high school, but we kind of lost touch in college. But I've sort of tangentially kept in contact via Facebook. And I sat down and talked to her. And she we, we were reminiscing about old role-playing stuff. And she was like, yeah, one game, you were a total dick. And you just, like, killed my character as another player because you put, a, like, a wall of fire in this one area. And I just told her to go suck it, things like that happen. And I immediately went, oh, I'm wow. very... I mean, oh, I'm very sorry. I'm sorry I did that. Like, I realized at that moment, I was like, wow, I've grown so much more empathy since then. Your, your empathy, Glenn, went into overtime and you were just upset with your old self for having done something so terrible. <laughs> oh, I was, uh, I was, younger self me was a very bad person. And I mean, I, 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 would I, be more... I wouldn't call younger Matt a bad person. No, I would call number M- Matt. Standard nerd. Stand, standard nerd. Yes. Uh, yeah, he, he, 
perhaps not a very very uh, self-aware or uh, aware of others person 19 year old gamer guy doesn't necessarily know what's cool and not cool in a tabletop (laughs) setting (laughs) fucking news at 11 (laughs) 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 no shit man i i iced a dude for no good reason too i've done it all i've done it a bunch of times it's it happens. Yeah, I know. I, I I don't feel bad about it. I just was just it made me realize again what we're trying to say here with this monomyth and the idea of the hero going back to where they were is I met somebody who I used to be very close with and you have a lot of good experiences with and got to realize how different I am from that person that I was. And that's sort of something you could try to instill at the not maybe not at the end of the story, but as the story grows and the character grows, keep injecting and reminding the player and the character Things are different, and you are different, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It actually should be a good thing. I mean, I'm sure there's some movie out there where the, where the hero, like, at, at the end of the movie, like, any time at the end of a movie where the, the main character goes and kicks the crap out of the bully mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, like, that's exactly what this is, right? Yeah. It's like, he, look at how confident and strong he's become. Yeah. Or look at how he's riding a magical dragon. God damn it, I was about to cut him. <laughs> You're about that. to never any story it. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> that kid's obviously having an aneurysm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he is oh, not right. okay. There's a, there's a video about, like, what, I think it's one of the bullies. Like later in life, on it, like on his therapist couch, like still trying to overcome the trauma of that moment, <laughs> and, and like the therapist doesn't believe that an actual fucking like Chinese dog dragon, you know, it's so good. It's such a good video. Well, I'll try and find it. We'll link it. It's so funny. Yeah. All right. So um, we're actually getting up on time. So really, it, yeah, oh, we're, we're, we're yeah. almost fifty minutes in. Yeah, it's time flies when you're having fun and talking with your friends. Oh, that's nice. Hopefully for the audience, the time has flown too because you've listened to your friends. Yes. Oh. But uh, anything else you want to say about about the monomyth and how we, you could develop it into the person's role-playing game? Um, I think I'll just say kind of reiterate what I said at the beginning. Um, it is something to be very good to be familiar with, uh, as a, especially as a storyteller, as a, as a game master. Uh, because it can be mined for uh, both setting your uh, you uh, living up to your players expectations and uh, and inclinations and also subverting them uh, because as Ryan mentioned this shit is intuitive as hell everyone knows it if they don't know about it specifically they know about it through all of the books and movies and TV shows that they've seen mm-hmm. because it is a very very ingrained structure in a lot of our media and a lot of our well, stories. Like, to the point that if you probably watched a movie or read something or watched TV that didn't follow this, like, on some level, you'd be very aware of it very quickly because things wouldn't, wouldn't like, that, that was never supposed to happen. I don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, you would just be confused. Or you can be uh, be like me and be like, hee, 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 I enjoy that this isn't following any st- st- standard yeah. story structure because I, I personally... Anything I've ever written, I don't. I think doesn't generally follow the rules. You know, that's why I'm so prolific and famous. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very good. Thank you very much, guys, for this conversation. It was a really cool topic. I'm sure we'll bring it up, and it has definitely sparked in my mind a few more episodes down the line, which I'm very happy for. So, if you really like this episode, and you want to like be a part of the show, please give us feedback at polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter. Uh, the podcast has its own Twitter feed now called 
uh, at Polyhedron Cast. It's new. I'm still getting used to it. And I am at Bioimportance. I am at Divismallcast. And I am at Arduous, R-J-U-O-U-S. Also, if you really like the show and you're on iTunes, please head on over. Give us a five-star review. This will really help us get some more visibility, and I want to grow the audience more and more and more. Uh, speaking of growing the audience, um, if you also want to become our bosses, you can head over to patreon.com slash polyhedron and figure out if you want to donate today. This will help us expand and get better equipment and do more with the show, and you can become more part of our community that we want to grow. Um, so for everyone here at Polyhedron, go where your fun is. Go roll some dice.